Hello, hello, and welcome to a new episode of the I Don't Care, I Love It podcast. I'm Haley, and I'm your host. You guys, it's our second episode. I'm just, I'm so excited, and I'm so, so grateful to all of you guys for all your support, for listening to the first episode last week. I'm just going to apologize in advance right now for how many times I'm going to say thank you and how many times I'm going to say I'm so excited, but Thank you so much for your support. I can't even tell you. It means the world to me. I'm just on cloud nine right now. I don't know how to explain it, but this is something I've wanted to do for so, so long. And I've always been standing in my own way. I've always made excuses and I've been too scared to put myself out there. And I just can't explain the feeling that comes from actually going for it. I see so many people going after their dreams and doing things that I never thought that would be me. And so obviously I'm not famous or anything like that. My podcast is not big, but I'm just so grateful to you guys for being here and for listening and making this a reality for me. I can't even explain it. And before we get into the episode, this is going to be a really fun episode, but before we get into it, I just wanted to thank everybody who's already left a rating and a review It means the whole world to me that you take the time to do that and help the podcast grow. And I'm just going to ask if anyone's listening right now, whether you love or hate the podcast, please, 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 if you listen on Spotify, it literally takes half a second to click on the stars. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, same thing, to leave a rating and a review. It would just help me so much help the podcast grow. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback. I actually... (laughs) I actually already got my first negative review. I'm loving it. So let me read it to you guys. The title is This is a Podcast and the writer is Maga Bro 2024. So Maga Bro says, quote, this sounds like you putting the audio of your IG stories onto a podcast. Is there going to be a theme to any of your content or just you rambling on about your life like you do on Instagram? Also, you obviously failed your high school government class. <laughs> Um, thank you so much, MagaBro2024, for leaving me a review. Thanks for being a great example. I really appreciate it so much. I truly do that you took the time to leave me a review and leave me feedback. And, you know, like he said, he says, um, is this just you rambling on about your life like you do on Instagram? Yes. I'm so glad you caught the theme. That's exactly what this is. Just me rambling on and having a platform. It's called I Don't Care, I Love It. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So thank you so much for kind of summing it up and justifying the gist. I truly appreciate it. (laughs) It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys see that guy on TikTok. He's called Charles Gross. And he's very fancy. He always does these videos about Hermes bags and rare designer things. But sometimes he'll do episodes with a negative comment and talk about the negative comment. But regardless, he starts every single TikTok video by saying, thank you so much for your comment. I truly appreciate it. And that's how I feel about MagaBro 2024. Thank you so much for your review. I truly appreciate it. And especially to everyone else saying the nicest things. I got so emotional reading what you guys said. Just... It just means the world to me. So thank you so much for the rating and review. And if you have it in your heart this holiday season to spend 20 seconds to give me a quick five-star rating and a quick review, you can even give me your negative feedback like MagaBro did. It would just mean the absolute world to me. Thank you so much. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this fun episode. We all have toxic traits. 
One of mine is making little things about me or my life experience my entire personality. So right now it's the fact that I'm pregnant. Um, I lived in Texas for literally two years and that's my entire personality (laughs) and that I'm a nurse. Anybody who's a nurse probably has made it their entire personality if they actually went through nursing school, took the RN exam and worked on the floor because it is hell. Honestly, day in and day out, you're on your feet all day. You don't get to pee. You don't get to eat. Um, People are yelling at you verbally, physically abusing you. You have to keep a smile on your face. Um, And then on the flip side of that, you have amazing patients who are so sweet and going through the hardest stuff and they die and you have to navigate them and their families through dying. So it's very traumatic. So what us nurses do in order to justify the depression and anxiety that we developed from being a nurse is we, one, have a really sick, twisted, dark immune, uh, not immune system, sense of humor. And two, we talk about it a lot and we love to trauma bond. So I reached out to some of my friends. I thought it would be really entertaining for you guys to hear just these are literally a typical day as a nurse. Um, I've worked in, I went to nursing school and did like tons of ICU, ER rounds, med surge, which is just like normal people on the floor, did labor and delivery, I did postpartum, did tons and tons of psych rotations. Then my first, my capstone when I graduated, I did a dual capstone in labor and delivery and at the cancer hospital oncology, which was by far the best job I've ever had. I have so much admiration and respect for the people who go through cancer. And that was awesome. So I did that. Then I moved to Texas and I worked on a neuro floor, which is people who have strokes, seizures, anything wrong with their brain, spinal cord, anything like that. Then I was a school nurse in Texas. And that was an amazing, amazing experience in a Title I school. And then when we move back to Utah, I'm currently a fertility nurse. So been all over the place, seen a lot of things. And I reached out to my friends, asked for some stories that they'd want to share about their experience in nursing. And I have some of my experiences sprinkled in here. Just thought it would be really entertaining and fun for you guys. And the reason we're doing this episode right now is I've been thinking about, you know, the holidays are starting and everything. The worst time to be a nurse is the holidays because you're still working nights, weekends, you work all the holidays, Um, you're short-staffed, patients get crazy, there's a lot of full moons around this time, I swear, and everything goes crazy. Nurses are very superstitious because it's real, and it's an awful time to be a nurse. You don't want to be wiping 50 people's bums because that's kind of what pretty much what you do all day and get yelled at and run around and not pee or eat. You want to be home with your family, but instead, you're at work taking care of people who really need it. So this is also a shout out to all the nurses and just maybe a little bit of an education for you non-nurses. Please be nice to nurses, especially this holiday season. It's a sucky job. I like to think about it as customer service, honestly. Um, Crazy things happen all day long and you just have to stay professional and keep a smiling face and keep taking care of these people who are literally abusing you. So just try to be extra nice to nurses this holiday season and anyone in healthcare. But I hope you guys enjoy this episode because it's a lot of fun. And just a quick trigger warning before we get into the stories. This episode is full of bodily fluids, poop, sex, <laughs> all the things that make people really cringy and uncomfortable, psychological disorders. So um, just learn to laugh along with us. 
but um, trigger warning if you're sensitive to that. Okay, here's the first story from one of my friends. She says, quote, we work at a hydration infusion center, which is people when people come in to get IVs put in to get infusions of like vitamins or other things. And we had this lady come in that wasn't dot, dot, dot all the way there. First of all, she told us that she was a hard stick and that she has a lot of veins on her stomach. So when someone says they're a hard stick, it means they know that it's really hard to get an IV in them and they'll kind of help you know the best place to go so you don't poke them a hundred times. So she had a lot of veins in her stomach, she says. We looked at them and they weren't veins. They were stretch marks. Of course, we refused to put an IV in her stretch marks. It's not going to work. And she and so she demanded for an IV to be placed on her foot. So you have tiny, tiny little veins in your feet. First of all, it's extremely painful to get an IV in your foot. And we try to avoid it at all costs because it's super hard to get anything through those veins, any infusion. <laughs> but she demanded. So the nurse is working on her, that's working on her is like, okay, fine, let me get a heat pack. Heating pack will help make the veins pop, make it easier to infuse. So he goes and gets a heating pack and is having a hard time squeezing it to activate it. She snatches it out of his hand and rips it apart. All the insides went flying everywhere. We all had a good laugh. He gets it cleaned up and is sweating because this is such a train wreck. <laughs> Usually when patients do something you cannot believe they just did, that was like so crazy. You're just like, haha. And they think it's hilarious, but really you have 20 other people you need to attend to. And it's like, okay. <laughs> um, so where was I? Okay. All the insides went flying everywhere. We had a good laugh. He gets it cleaned up and is sweating because this is such a train wreck. In the middle of him putting in the IV in her foot, she grabs a tissue and starts dabbing the sweat off his face. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. We thought it would be the end of the craziness, but because she had an IV in her foot, it took three hours to infuse. And during those three hours, she managed to hijack our Bluetooth music, blast weed music, and use her IV pole as a stripper pole. On top of all of it, when it came time to leave, she didn't have any money and left without paying. She's not allowed to come back. <laughs> oh my gosh. People are crazy. Like, come on. I don't know. That That's probably just a day in the life, honestly, at an infusion center. Okay, next one. Quote, recently we had a patient threatening to shoot people because they refused to wear a mask. Cops were called to same day surgery and the person wasn't having surgery. It was their family member. They were pretending to be a patient. They did find guns in the person's car when it was searched. So unfortunately, this is something that happens all the time is people will come in and threaten to like shoot us all up. They'll say really scary things. Like I, I remember working multiple times where someone threatened to like shoot someone or kill someone or find someone. And it's terrifying because they know where to find you and you don't know what that person has going on. And a lot of these people are not mentally okay. I'm glad they searched his car. Usually they don't take it that seriously. Honestly, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then awful things happen. Um, and so you're always watching those videos where it's like, if an active shooter come in, comes in, what are you going to do? And honestly, I was always on high alert, like had my plan because it's scary. So yeah, that's just day in the life. Next one, she says, quote, I had a patient that had his penis fall off because he injected heroin into it. <laughs> oh man, that's my favorite one. Because here's the thing is this is not that crazy. These poor people are so desperate for drugs. They will fake anything. They will do anything. They know exactly what to fake and what to say to get drugs. Um, and sometimes when you're that much, you know, shooting up all the time, you use up all your veins. You have no more veins, arms, legs, anywhere. So the last one that he had was his penis. And unfortunately, things went south. Oh, you just got to feel so bad for him that that's his life. But 
Um, that's my favorite one. Poor guy. One thing about working in healthcare is you get really familiar with, we call them frequent flyers, quote unquote, who are, you know, drug seekers and things and just come in for that. Um, man, we would have so many on our floor. I had a guy, he even requested his same room that he had last time. Um, because he liked the view like it's awful and they get to the point where they just want to lay in bed this one guy worked in a motel or lived in a motel and he didn't like having to shower himself he didn't like having to wipe his own bum Um, he didn't like having to feed himself he had no money or anything so he just gets checked into the hospital and he makes us shower him makes us wipe his bum makes us feed him gets free food all the time You know someone's going to be bad news when they come in and ask for two things. One, a turkey sandwich. The emergency room always has a turkey sandwich. And if they know that and ask for that, it's bad news. And then two, when they know the drugs they want by name. If they know they want two milligrams of Dilaudid or whatever, it's going to be bad news. Also on that same vein, so what happens when you work a shift at the hospital, you come in in the morning, say your shift starts at 7, you're probably going to get there at 6.30 so you can look up all your, all your patients, look at their history, write everything down because once it turns 7, it is go time and you're literally running around. Um, but you don't get paid until seven minutes before your shift starts. So you get there at 6 and then you have to set an alarm for 7.53 or 6.53 to go clock in so you actually get paid. Anyways, Then you meet with the nurse who had them the shift before you, whether they're the day shift or the night shift, and they give you all the information about the patient. But this is how you know, you know exactly who the patient is going to be within the first five seconds because you look at their name and you look at their age. Let me tell you the worst to best patients in order. Worst patient, 40 or 50 year old man. They are the biggest babies. They They have no pain tolerance. They whine about everything. They are the biggest babies. They act like everything is the end of the world too much to move my head like they are the worst okay 40 50 year old men second worst 30 year old women like a 30 year old 20 year old people usually are like too embarrassed to be so needy and so they kind of keep it together but 30 year old women they are usually crazy about drugs and (laughs) they're a lot to handle unless they're a mom different story but 30 year old woman okay and then Everyone else, yeah, yeah, whatever. The best possible patients to have are like 80, 90-year-old men. They are so tough. They will do everything themselves. They will be in 10 out of 10 pain and still like keep a brave face. They are the only ones that say thank you and are kind. Um, They, yeah, those are the best patients. You know it's going to be good when you have like a 90-year-old man with like heart disease or something and you know he's just going to be a sweetheart and then usually like 80 year old ladies are literally insane (laughs) like 80 90 year old ladies maybe even 70 they are crazy um but sometimes they can be just so 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 cute so 80 year old ladies can kind of go either way but that's how you know what kind of patient you're going to have from the second you get in there oh and I feel like I should also mention A man who's like 25 to 30 and was in the military, he's your worst nightmare. (laughs) He's crazy. He is so mean and he makes every little thing. Literally, like I had a patient where the bedside table kind of like hit his arm and he goes, ow, oh my gosh, are you trying to kill me? (laughs) Like they're crazy. Um, 
usually vets are so, 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 so awesome and so tough, but it's just that niche group, 25 to 30. They, they got to get it together. I don't know. Their mom must have not given them enough attention or something, but they got to get it together. Okay. Anyways, back to the stories. This next story is from a friend of mine who worked in psych. She has the craziest stories. I don't know how she worked in psych for so long. It destroyed me. But she said, quote, this is from psych, obviously, LOL. One day we were in the nurse's station and noticed an extremely minty smell. We started asking everyone if they were chewing gum, using essential oils, whatever. No reason for the smell. Until someone goes out to round. So when you round on patients, that just means everybody goes around and checks on all the patients, checks in their room, make sure, especially you're kind of doing different things depending on the specialty. In psych, you want to make sure everyone's still alive. No one's been hurting themselves. You want to make sure everybody's still there. Um, You just want to make sure they're doing okay. So just going around and we find one of our patients just standing in the hallway by the nurse's station. She goes, this is not unusual. This is psych. So one thing about psych is It's not uncommon to have people doing really, really, really creepy like horror movie things like standing there with their arms out just looking down on you for hours, not moving, things like that, which usually are really off-putting and scary, but that's just normal in psych. Some psych units, it's so sad. Like if it's a lockdown unit, they literally have the nurse's station surrounded by glass and then 360 degrees, the patients come up and like bang on the glass And you kind of feel like you're in a fishbowl and you just slide them their meds like through this tiny little window. And it is nuts. It is it is horror movie stuff is real. So anyways, he's just standing by the by the nurse's station. This patient is covered head to toe, literally in a thick layer of toothpaste. He's wearing the patient scrubs, but every part of his body was covered. It's like just two beady eyes are looking out from a slab of toothpaste. (laughs) Obviously, he had no specific reason for doing this and was confused as to why we thought it was strange. I personally was quite impressed because the toothpaste we gave out were smaller than travel size. We found so many of them, like probably 50 in his trash can. He had been staff shopping for toothpaste for like five days. So what staff shopping means? Patients get so um, creative and so manipulative. They know exactly how to get what they want. Staff shopping is when someone goes around and says, hey, I'm out of toothpaste, can I have some toothpaste? And then the next staff person, hey, I'm out of toothpaste, I'm out of toothpaste. And every 12 hours when the shifts change, you ask all 10 people on shift or 20 people for a tub of toothpaste. Really quickly, you can add up to a ton and no one's going to, you know, say, hey, I gave Jimmy a toothpaste. Well, I gave Jimmy a toothpaste. That's never going to happen. You have too much going on. So he'd been staff shopping for like five days. It ended up being a pain in the butt after the funniness wore off because when he tried to shower it off, it clogged all the drains and he had done it in the night and had slept in his bed and touched all kinds of crap. So there was just toothpaste all over the unit. The unit did smell fresh AF though, which was a nice change. (laughs) That is a nice change. Okay, next. Um, This story is the epitome of a day in the life of a nurse. This is very, very not unusual. (laughs) So she says, quote, during COVID, I was transferred to a med surge floor for a couple months. Literally worst thing ever. Med surge, med surge is the hardest. That just means medical surgical. That's just like all the patients who are on the floor just need a lot of help. Also, I was eight months pregnant, she says. One night I had a patient. She was an old woman, probably in her 80s and only spoke Russian. On top of that, she had severe dementia. So even with a Russian interpreter, we weren't getting anywhere. I went in and met her and did my initial assessment, gave her her nightly meds and called it good. I went in a little while later to check on her and lo and behold, she had pooped 
everywhere, like pooped in the bed, had it all over herself, smeared it on the bed rails, side table, and even got to some of the walls. I tried reasoning with her to let me and the aide clean her up, but she was so stubborn. I don't know what she thought we were doing, but she refused to let us clean up. For almost an hour and a half, we worked with her to get everything cleaned up, and finally we did, but that was the worst hour and a half of my life. I don't know how I didn't throw up because of the smell in that room was horrific. Needless to say, I don't work with any more any adults anymore. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, working with kids is where where it's at. So this probably happens to you once a week where a patient poops everywhere. Always, you know, grown people and they always have kind of like mental problems. They poop everywhere and then they like s- grab it like... <laughs> and smear all over the place. They get it in their hair. They smear it everywhere. And it is really hard to clean up. Um, And usually they get combative. And so they like swipe at you and they get it all over you. And it is, it is so nasty, you guys. It is so nasty. The other problem with this is it's not like you have an hour and a half to be cleaning somebody up. You barely have enough time to keep everyone alive as it is. Probably during this time, someone's call has been going off for 15 minutes because they they need their pain meds and they're freaking out. Probably someone else is coming to you and telling you your patient's blood pressure's tanking and they need immediate meds and doctor attention and you're trying to juggle 5,000 things. So it is tough. I'm so sorry that happened to you eight months pregnant. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine working on the floor pregnant, like for so many reasons. That's crazy. I'm so sorry. That totally reminds me of my ritual back when I worked in the hospital. I did this for years. Um, So what you do, and pretty much everybody does this who works in the hospital. If you see someone in scrubs, you know, in public, um, you have to be pretty darn certain. They like work in the OR or they are very clean because the rest of us, we strip immediately because our clothes get so freaking dirty. In other countries, they... um, like lone nurses their scrubs they get to work and they check out some crappy scrubs but here we have to buy our own and you want to be cute so you get the designer ones and then they get so gross um anyways so what I would do is I take my shoes off those stay in the garage those don't leave the garage okay then I strip all my clothes turn them inside out and hold them in my arms as I run to our bedroom and in our bedroom I had a separate hamper dedicated to my nursing stuff that was extra gross that would be washed separately So bundle up all my clothes, hold them, and run naked to our bedroom. Well, one day, I didn't know this, but Avery got us cameras for our, um, like, inside our house um, to watch our dog, Peach, as she was home alone, and they're motion-activated cameras. (laughs) And so I get home, take off all my clothes, and I'm running through the kitchen naked, like, bare-butt naked, and the camera just pans following me, and then Peach is just trailing (laughs) behind me running it was so it was the funniest video ever but yeah that's what you do because these kind of gross gross you have gross stuff all over you I mean people throw up on you all the time blood um all kinds of like medications and feedings and things so 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 much poop and even though you wear gowns and you wash your hands 10 million times and stuff you just you just can never be sure so once you get all your clothes in your nursing dedicated hamper you take like a 20 minute piping hot shower and just wash off the whole day and you scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub and then you hope and pray that you didn't bring C. diff home. Okay, I'm going to share a couple stories and then we'll get back into some stories of my friends. Um, So like I said, I worked in a cancer hospital when I was first, first starting out and it was my favorite, favorite job ever, still is. Um, 
been a nurse for almost four years. Anyways, and just the patients were amazing. The staff was amazing. Just the best experience, but the hardest, saddest thing ever. But anyways, sometimes we had some kooks. So we had this patient that came in and she was a total, total drug user and she had cancer and the drugs were really interfering with her healing and all that stuff. So she came in and we had to keep checking her back because she would have visitors bringing her drugs and she'd be like shooting up through IV. It was crazy. Um, but she got super mad at us for taking away her drugs. So when the doctor come in, came into her room to round on her in the morning, he reached over to like check on her IV and she bit his hand. <laughs> she reached out and bit him so hard. It left a scar and um, she had like rotting teeth. And so um, his bite actually got infected from her rotting teeth, <laughs> which was awesome. So then we were all freaking terrified of her and like couldn't get close to her, but you have to get close to patients because she had a huge open wound down her stomach that had to be cleaned and packed and everything. So that was a mess, but hindsight always makes it funny. Um, <laughs> next one. Oh my gosh. So when you're nursing, you have what's called a tech. You, so you have the nurse and then the techs, they're like CNAs or nursing assistants. They are your lifesaver. Um, they go around, they do the vitals, they help patients position in bed, they help with changes, all that stuff because you just can't do everything. So they're kind of like your eyes and your ears and your assistant. So my tech walked in in my patient's room to help them with something and kind of let you figure this out. But the man had his pants off. He was sitting on the edge of his bed and his girlfriend was kneeling on the floor in front of him. First of all, you could not pay me enough to touch the floors in those hospitals. Nasty. Um, But yeah, second of all, I'll let you kind of figure out what they were doing. And they just kind of said one second and he obviously booked it out of there. And then five, 10 minutes later, the girlfriend came out and said, oh, hey, you guys can come in now. Um, And then she just kind of sat down in the chair and read her newspaper the rest of the time. And, And you just when that happens, here's the thing is these crazy things happen, but you just are professional and go about your day and act like it never happened. Um, I felt so bad for him. He was traumatized. I would be too, because that is nasty. I also had a coworker who she was walking out of the patient's room and sometimes patients just get so upset at you for no reason. (laughs) She was walking out of the patient's room and he got his lunch tray. Um, you know, like those ones from the cafeteria that the food comes on. He grabbed his lunch tray and Frisbee as hard as he could threw it at her back. And she was only a couple feet away from him and it broke her back. She, she wasn't like super young, but she wasn't super old either. She was like in her fifties and it broke her back and she only got two weeks off work, had to have surgery and she still has problems to this day, but still has to work. It's just crazy. Like the things that we go through, the abuse truly that we take, and then you just have to turn around and come back in and give them pain medicine and, and have them cry to you and take care of them. It's just, it is crazy. I feel so bad for her. She's still, her back will never be the same. Like it's bad. I'll do one more story and then we'll get back into some stories from my friends. Um, But (laughs) so how it kind of works is a patient will come in through the emergency room, the ER, right? And you have a nurse down there and that nurse will take care of you and just kind of get you stable and make sure you're going to live the next few minutes. And then when you're ready, you get transferred up to what's called the floor. So if you've ever visited someone at the hospital, they're on the floor. Okay. And I, I worked on the floor. Okay. So the ER nurse sends the patient to the floor nurse and the ER nurse will call the patient when they're ready to send send them and say, hey, you know, this is what's going on with the patient. So you kind of get their background, what they've done in the ER, what you need to start doing when they get there. So you're prepared for them to come up, right? So I talked to the ER nurse about this patient. He was young, healthy, fit. Um, he just had something wrong with his eye. So he needed to come to the neuro floor to help with that. 
Um, you ask if they can move on their own because um, you need to know if they need help getting up to the bathroom. You need to know if they need help with, you know, anything, how much help they need or if they're kind of more independent and you need to give them privacy. You kind of need to know what's going on. So she said, oh, yeah, he can move fine. He can get up to the restroom. Like, he's totally fine. So he gets up. I go into his room, I introduce myself as his nurse, kind of start doing what we need to do. And I ask him if he needs anything. And he says, yeah, actually, I need to go to the restroom. I say, okay, perfect. Here's your bathroom right here. Um, I'll just step out and give you some privacy so you can go to the bathroom. And he goes, uh, I don't have any legs. <laughs> and he takes off the blanket and shows me that his legs are cut off like at his thighs. And the ER nurse totally told me, you know, that he could walk fine and he was totally independent on his own. Poor guy, he didn't have his wheelchair, didn't have anything totally need help to the bathroom. And I stood there looking like an idiot saying, oh yeah, just get up and go to the bathroom and I'll come back in later. (sighs) I have to say absolutely zero shade to ER nurses. I could never do what they do. They are the most amazing people. They handle the most high stress situations. They're usually very calm, like very adventurous. Usually on their day off, they're like skiing and climbing and doing all this crazy stuff. I could never be them. But one thing that isn't required of their job is to be very detail oriented. So if you tell them something's wrong with your eye, they're only going to look at your eye and then not going to deal with the rest. So no shade to the ER nurse, but stuff like that happens all the time. And it's a very common fight that we have. Let's do a few more before we run out of time. This is another story from my psych friend. I'm telling you, she has the crazy, craziest stories. But she says, this falls in the realm of scary at the time, just crazy to think about now. Intensive treatment psych, we got an invol patient, which means involuntary. So usually when patients are in the psych ward, they are there voluntarily, but sometimes it's a court mandate or the police or something like that, and they're involuntarily held at the psych unit. So he was a short, stocky guy, probably 5'6 or 5'7. He was very unhappy when we told him he had to stay as he was on a hold. He literally had a psychotic break at that and went full on mom lifts a car to save her baby mode. He was placed in locked seclusion to calm down safely and instead ripped the bed out of the floor and lifted it up to smash the ceiling light. The bed is solid wood and is bolted into the floor like he literally became the Incredible Hulk. So we're watching this on the camera like what the actual F is happening right now. Of course, we had to get him out of there because now there is shattered glass and screws loose everywhere. So we open the door and he ramps past the staff and busts through the locked unit doors. These are like electric, very secure <laughs> locked unit doors. Usually there's multiple of them. Like no one gets, no one escapes. Luckily, we caught up to him and after that, he was the sweetest patient and so apologetic and nice the whole rest of his hospitalization. But wow, it was wild. Okay, this is, this literally sounds like the Incredible Hulk. I mean, doesn't the Hulk go crazy, like turn into super athletic? I mean, obviously he's like huge and strong and stuff and goes crazy. And then he goes back to that sweet man and just is, and is actually the sweetest man and feels so sorry and sad about what he did. My gosh, this guy maybe got bitten by a radioactive, uh, lizard. (laughs) became the Hulk. That's really sad. Poor man. But I would be terrified that he would kill me. Next up, she says, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm sitting here with my dog Peach and she's napping and her tail started thumping and wagging as she's sleeping. Ah, it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Maybe you can hear the little thump in the background. I don't know. But okay. Um, This is from my friend. She says, thankfully, I forgot most of them because they didn't deserve space in my memories. Ha ha. Yeah. So most of the time, like such awful things happen to you and you just want to cry. And it's so stressful and scary that your brain like immediately forgets it. You clock out and you cannot remember a thing. I don't remember like 99% of my time 
working in the hospital. Just my brain is blocked it out to protect myself. So she said, but one of the craziest to me was I was a new nurse and eight months pregnant and taking care of an elderly patient who had dementia and was blind and deaf. Woof. Literally no way of communicating with her. Poor thing had to be scared and frustrated. I'll never forget taping together pieces of paper to make big enough signs for her barely to be able to read off the millions of medications I was giving her. So they have to consent. So you do what you got to do for them to kind of know what you're giving them. Well, of course, she eventually got tired of not understanding and got aggressive with me. She slapped me in the face, went for my throat and kicked me in the stomach. Mind you, she's eight months pregnant. I would have died. Boy, it felt good to see her restrained and shot up with Haldol. (laughs) So when a patient's being, you know, manic, having an episode, being super aggressive and crazy, especially like when they have dementia and they don't understand, the doctor will order something called Haldol, which is a medication that like calms them down that we give through their IV. So sometimes it is really nice when a patient kicks you in the stomach and you're pregnant and goes for your throat, slaps you in the face to see them shot up with Haldol and calm down. She said, I also had a patient that needed hourly enemas. I dealt with two pieces of shiz that shift. Ha <laughs> ha. So that sucks. Um, hourly. So enema, if you don't already know, it's where we put a tube in your rectum and we get water or usually it's like soap and water through it. And that will help someone have a bowel movement if they're super, 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 super constipated. Usually it's a last ditch effort, but it is so bad for you to be constipated. We take it very seriously. Um, but that sucks. It's not fun to give someone an enema, as you can imagine. I'll let you use your imagination there. Um, but the sad thing about this is, like, having having someone, again, like, abuse you, slapped her in the face, went over her throat, kicked her in the stomach, you want to go cry and, like, breathe and calm down. But you have five other patients who are yelling and eating. There's literally no time to digest and compress. And so you just go crazy. <laughs> That just reminds me, I always thought I was a very tough person and could handle a lot of things, but working in the hospital taught me the exact opposite. I remember like the day before my shift, just stressing out, freaking out. I don't know what I'm going to have tomorrow. Is my patient going to die? Is my patient going to break my back with their tray? Like what's going to happen? And just the stress of like having to handle that for 12 hours. And honestly, your shifts are never 12 hours. Like I said, you get there at 6.30 when it's supposed to start at 7. You don't leave at 7 p.m. Usually at 8, 8.30. You're wrapping things up, doing report. So you can kind of plan on working for 14 hours. So anyways, just so stressful and so scary. The To all my friends who still work in the hospital, like you are my hero. I don't know how they do it. You get, you have to just get like so jaded and just learn how to compartmentalize, but I, my mental health could not handle it. Like I lasted nursing school and then I lasted a full year after nursing school plus my capstone and then I was tapped out. It is so tough. I'm like, the trauma is coming back. We are about out of time. So I'll just share a couple more and then we'll wrap up. But (laughs) this is another story from when I worked at the cancer hospital. I had this patient and he wasn't psych, like he wasn't crazy, but he wasn't all there and he would narrate everything that happened um, as if he was on the phone with someone, you know, kind of explaining what's going on. So one night I walked into his room, it was like 3 a.m. and he goes, oh, it's just the fat one. <laughs> oh, and, and the ironic thing, look, that's obviously something I've always been really self-conscious about. Um, but when it, when a patient says it, you're like, whatever, you know, Um, but the ironic thing was that's when I was at my literal skinniest, like 
I wasn't even fat, so I don't know who else was, I don't know who was the skinny one, but I was the fat one. <laughs> Guys, the hard thing about starting a podcast while you're pregnant is I'm so out of breath all the time. <laughs> like I can never get a full breath of air and I constantly feel like I need to breathe or something. So sorry if I sound really breathy. I'm doing my best. And man, I'm struggling to get through this episode with my breath, but I'm having fun. So, okay, let's wrap up with some fertility stories. They kind of need their own stage. They're kind of a whole different world. Like I said, I work in fertility right now. I absolutely love it. I love my patients. I think they are incredible people and can't imagine going through what they're going through. It's been such a blessing to be a part of their journey and I just love it. Um, But some of my friends who work in fertility also sent me stories. (laughs) These ones are pretty funny. So we have this procedure in fertility. It's called timed intercourse. And basically it's where someone has a hard time ovulating or knowing when they're ovulating. So we do ultrasounds and blood work, kind of help them get their ovulation. And then we tell them to go home and have sex at a specific time so they can hopefully get pregnant. So we had, she said that they had these patients doing timed intercourse and they said, quote, when we do timed intercourse, what room do you want us in? (laughs) As in like, we put them in one of the doctor's offices and just, you know, (laughs) poor things. Um, Okay, next one. She says, quote, a while back, we had these patients come in that were older and already had six kids together, although they are now divorced. They said that even though they're divorced, they like co-parenting and want to have more kids together, but they refuse to have sex. So they wanted to go through fertility treatment to keep having kids together and keep parenting, even though they were divorced. The doctor said that they should really just have sex and save themselves th- some, themselves thousands of dollars, but they refused. We really got some kooks, huh? <laughs> yep. Next, she said... That one time we got sperm shipped to us in a plastic bag in an envelope for a, quote, semen analysis. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, That reminds me. So I used to work on the egg donor team and we would get emails all the time of just like a really weird selfie of a man trying to be a sperm donor. So he'd send us this picture of like you know, down low from his chin with like his nostrils flaring and say 6'2", Italian heritage, um, computer science major, and just like send that trying to be a sperm donor, which is gross to me, honestly, because fun fact, there are no sperm banks in Utah. Most of like the Midwest doesn't have any sperm banks. You pretty much have to go to the East Coast or West Coast to get sperm. So the fact that they're just like sending this to fertility centers trying to take whoever trying to get whoever will take them gross that is all we have time for i'm sure we'll do a part two in the future um but i need to keep myself on a leash because i could go on and on and on and on because like i said i have so much trauma from being a nurse um it ruined my life um (laughs) so i kind of have a lot to share but um i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and found it as entertaining as i did it's okay to laugh um, and have a little bit of dark humor with this it's just it's how you cope um but i will say that people ask me will reach out to me sometimes and be like hey i'm you know thinking about going to nursing school all this stuff i want to just tell them don't do it (laughs) it's not worth the emotional sabotage Um, but I, I do want to say like, I am so grateful to be a nurse and, you know, to be there in these patients' worst times of their lives, um, to be trusted with things like that. Honestly, it's, it's an honor and it's very humbling and I'm so grateful for my experiences. I wouldn't take them back for the world because 
they really shaped the person I am today and really opened my eyes to things and made me a lot more compassionate, empathetic, capable, handling stressful situations. So I'm so grateful. But um, if this doesn't sound appealing to you, because all these stories, you know, something like this is going to happen to you every single day, if not all day. Um, if you if that doesn't sound appealing to you, um, maybe pick pick a different career. <laughs> so that's all I have for you guys today. Again, thank you so, 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 so much for listening. It means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And like I said, if you like this episode, please just drop a really quick five-star rating interview. It would mean the world to me. Okay, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to I Don't Care, I Love It. You can catch a new episode every Wednesday. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. And if you like this episode, we'd appreciate it so much if you could give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to this episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. A five, four, three, two,